Aiden, 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 Azad. What's up, people? Welcome back to the Anacon Chelsea podcast with me, Yan. How are you guys all doing? I'm assuming pretty good after that convincing 4-1 win against Cardiff. Poor Bluebirds. Great game to watch. Quintessential Garden of Eden performance. Silly goal conceded. But yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about things. Today, I'm going to be reviewing the match against Cardiff. I'll do a preview of the West Ham game again. And I'll answer social media questions, of which I've got a ton. A shitload. Um, I probably won't be going for all of them. I'm going to pick out a few. Rather than picking up loads of questions about Oli Giroud and David Luiz, I'm probably just going to segregate that and talk about them in isolation. So to everyone who asked me questions about them, those players, yeah, I'm going to sort of answer it collectively. Anyway, let's get into it. Yes, yes. So, four goals for Chelsea, a hat-trick for Eden Hazard, our boy. My God, every time I see him play this well, I've got a really horrible, cynical side to me. And I hate to start with this, but I'm going to fucking do it anyway. When I just think, he was interviewed after the game and he was, he then quoted, he was asked about his move, potential move in the summer. And he then quoted like, yeah, I know what I said. You know, everyone knows what I said, but I'm enjoying myself right now. You know, you just want him to sort of pledge his undying allegiance to Chelsea. I understand why he might not. I'm trying to look at it from a sort of human, compassionate perspective. But I almost want to just go sit down with him and be like, Eden, you could be like an absolute club legend here, sign a six-year contract, maybe even get a statue as our greatest ever player. Or you could go roll the dice at Madrid and maybe get whistled at by the fans you know, and unsettle your family. That would be my bias, trying to dictate him and be like, dude, just stay and be the best. Anyway, I don't know what's going through his head. And I just wanted to get that off my chest to you guys before we get, <laughs> before we get into the match review. So the negativity's gone because that dude absolutely shredded it uh, <clears throat> on the weekend, excuse me. Yeah, so 4-1. Let's go through the lineup we had. Kepa Arizabalaga between the sticks once again. The same back four of Alonso, Luis, Rudy, and Azpilicueta. And then we had our mid three of Jorginho, Kante, and Mateo Kovacic. Or Kovacic. Really need to check that. And then the front three of Man of the Match himself, Eden Hazard. We had Pedro starting on the right. And then we had the only change in Olivier Giroud. Um, without dissecting the whole striker situation just yet I thought Giroud would come in for this game I was saying on social media maybe even in the pod preview last week how I feel like he would suit um, his attributes would suit playing this Cardiff side a lot more so even you know separating Morata and Giroud's form you know Morata not being very good recently and Giroud scoring a banger for France that aside if you look at them how they play and how they're built you know, the the characteristics of Giroud would suited this game a lot more. Um, and even if that's not what Sari is looking for out of his nine in terms of the contribution to the whole team style, his plan, his, like, mechanism, he doesn't want a target man. Or certainly I don't think. So 
but Giroud, you know, he did the job. Remember when Giroud came in last season, straight away he laid off that great assist for Hazard. And Hazard, I think they just like playing together. Um, just quickly before I move on to that a little bit more. Giroud isn't just a big lump target man. He's very smart. He's a very like um, cerebral player in terms of like the immediate sense. Sure, he's a lump and he's got a bit of gamesmanship and he knows that it gets stuck in and he's slow. So with all those sort of things, you think, oh, old school centre forward, Premier League vibes. He's got excellent one touch for laying off the wingers. And he's very smart. And like I say, he's a cerebral player in terms of link up play. And that's what Hazard wants. Hazard likes that. He's got a big lump looking after him up there. He's like, you know, he speaks French with him. He looks after him physically, but then he's quick enough to link up with him. And, you know, that was evident last season when he came in. And it's been evident ever since. And today was a perfect demonstration of that. Um, before I get into the review a bit more, and I will dissect the striker issue a bit later, but Hazard interviewed after the game said, you know, Giroud's the best target man in the world. He does love playing with him. He then also did like some sort of obligated praise for Morata afterwards, saying, oh, no, we're lucky to have two great strikers with different qualities. But, you know, he was purring over Giroud, saying he's the best target man in the world, and like I say, he enjoys playing with him. So, yeah, we will touch on strikers a bit later, and we'll touch on defending also. So anyway, the match at Stamford Bridge did not start how we wanted it to start. It was a Cardiff goal uh, that shook the narrative a little bit and got the neutrals excited. It was a set-piece goal, you know, that was from Cardiff. You could put your money on that if they were to score against Chelsea. And it was such a Oh, dude, it was such a dumb set piece to concede as well. And um, when when we did concede, that was frustrating. And that with with these set piece chances, that's where Chelsea fans maybe are, or should be least confident or worried. Um, stuff we need to work on. Um, maybe that, and maybe long balls over the top, like I said at the beginning of the season, because you know Sarismo style of football is a very compact team that moves around together. Passes quickly. Um, yeah, so this uh, set piece goal, I don't know. It was meant to be picking up Bamba. It looks. I think he, def- he. The whole team is defending differently now. Zari said that. And I think it's evident. Um, they're attacking differently as well. Like you know, it, it, Zari says when we play, we watch the ball. <laughs> Some managers are very vocal and don't. You know, ball watching inverted commas is usually like a. A negative thing, like, oh, I got caught ball, caught ball watching, excuse me. And, you know, he got caught out. But Sari plays like that. And I think he defends differently as well. Certainly, I know Jorginho is trying to pick up Bamba, which just seems like a silly mismatch. Anyway, he scores. Um, Ariza Balaga couldn't do anything. He's rooted. just a few yards out, and it was just nothing nothing you can do to that. So it was frustrating. Um, but I don't, I didn't, my head didn't drop as a fan watching that. And I'm not sure anyone else's did. Not because, you know oh, we're a really good team, and we've got loads of time. Because you, the, we've had, you know, there's been, like, giant killings before, and in the Premier League these days, more than ever, you see this kind of shit all the time. You know, Minnow's taken, taken out big teams, and Chelsea have been, over the last couple of years, have had these problems. And it is a new manager, new style, yada, yada, yada. But my, my thing with it was, it was a really simple calm that I had in terms of we're a possession side 
this is early doors. I can't remember exactly when the first goal was, but it was early, maybe first 10 minutes. We, I knew we were going to have like 70% of possession um, for X amount of time. And the longer this team are together while keeping the ball, the more options in their head they're going to have to score. And I know pre-season we had like 70, 80% possession, but we looked pretty, not clueless, but the, the, the longer the time the players have together, the more chemistry and, and instincts and ideas they have to break down the opponent will come. So I had that in my head. And fortunately, it was a convincing a convincing run after that. Um, and then we went in at half time at 2-1, so that was like exhale. I would have taken one all, you know. Um... And moved on from there, but in comes the layoff, um, the chemistry between Giroud and Hazard. How um how important that was. If Morata's playing that game, not only do we lose the sort of physical presence of Giroud in terms of defensive ability and sort of just letting him letting the opposition know that he's there, Morata tries to just run directly. Maybe definitely doesn't link up with Hazard for those goals like that. And suddenly we're ahead at the end of the first half. You know. Um, I know one was a sort of a bit of a deflection, but it was still a great piece of link-up between um, Giroud and Hazard. You know, when he tucks it in the court, right in the corner, oh, in that first goal. It was a great demonstration of skill from Hazard and his ability, but it happened because he felt comfortable with the style of play and the players around him. It wasn't just those two. You know, everyone was getting involved. Pedro did have a good game. He didn't score. But um, it's interesting on a, on a quick tangent. A lot of the time, with Pedro and Willian rotate that right spot, a lot of the time, the one that starts doesn't do it, and then the one that comes on does it, you know, changes the game. This is the last couple of weeks that's been evident. And it was on the Conte as well. But um, maybe a little unfair to Pedro, because sometimes he has just have great games when he starts as well, which probably still gives him the edge. But yeah, before these two goals that put us 2-1 up, there was loads of... Uh, examples of these combinations between I think a couple more times again Hazard Giroud just knocking it about people like you know exhibition exhibitionist football it was like again such a pleasure to watch so many pundits were commenting on the performance I know Hazard was highlighted because it was his first hat trick in four and a half years at Chelsea which is a ridiculous stat by the way you think that his quality I know he didn't score a lot of goals but you think when he has got it turned on these days against the smaller teams that he might have bagged a couple more especially when you consider like you can I know you're Canes and Agueros and whatever they're all center forwards goal machines but I don't know still after that it's his second hat-trick for Chelsea I think you, you just think you'd have more um yeah Neil Warnock that dickhead he's quite funny I do laugh at him he uh he commented on on the Hazard he said he, he originally uh, before the game at some point he said he'd pay to watch him the commentator on one of the games uh, said uh, he gets that one for free. Um, and yes, Sol Bamber, I think, actually tweeted out himself, you know, the Belgian was unplayable, the brilliant Belgian, the little Belgian was unplayable today or something, which was quite funny. And yeah, so from the first, from that first goal, the heads didn't drop, and then we started just put, turning it on. Sorry, ball and full flow. Eden Hazard scores two. Um, and we're 2-1 up. So come off the second half. Um, oh yeah, it's worth mentioning Matteo Kovacic had excellent passages of play. Starting to see a real development there. I mean, he went off injured, which is a bit worried, and Barkley came on. Looks very good. Barkley's 
looks very safe in this system, doesn't he? He's obviously played it maybe the longest as the midfielder under Sarri. And he does, you know, he's not done anything extraordinary, but maybe that's a good thing that he's not trying. Maybe that will come. But, you know, he, like, cuts the ball back well when he needs to. He passes one touch. He's strong. He's canny in the Premier League. So he's a very good backup for Kovacic. I'd quite openly say I prefer him to Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Um, but yeah, Kovacic had a couple of chances in a short place of uh, excuse me, short space of time, where he could have scored, maybe should have scored, but um, impressive nonetheless. Like he got in those positions. It was a shame he had to come off. Hopefully he's okay for um, our next game. But he was incre- You know, for me, he looked excellent. My friend actually was at the game in a uh, in a box. He uh, he I think he's. His old man is a Chelsea fan. He's a United fan. <laughs> but I tell you what, it was nice to hear a United fan say such positive things about Chelsea afterwards. He was saying Kovacic looked absolutely immense. And then he said, yeah, you know, he just doesn't have much more to say when he talks about Eden Hazard. He's like, yeah, he's excellent. He said he's never seen him that good. He was had an excellent game, but, you know, Hazard has lit the stage up in the Champions League for Chelsea and, you know, the World Cup, so... It's not the first time he's had an excellent game. But yeah, it was interesting to get a Man United's fan, fan's point at Stamford Bridge talking about how good Chelsea were and how good Hazard and Kovacic were. So that was nice to hear from him. Um, yeah, so Kovacic came off injured. But he did look very, very good. Barkley was a safe pair of hands. Uh, and then Willian came on for Pedro. Pedro was good. He had like... I like Pedro because he just tries to score, which is important. You know, it's when you just keep passing around and someone doesn't try to score. Get your foot around it, see what happens. Anyway, so William comes on, and William was very good. Um, he won the penalty again. Bamber again, man. This is such a dumb fucking foul on their part. He just uh, wrong foot tackles William, nowhere near the ball, just beside him, takes him out. It's the most clear, clear penalty ever. Um, well done to William for uh, for um, buying that pen. I say buying, he didn't buy it, getting the winning the penalty. Buying sounds like cheating. That was not cheating. And then I think Jorginho picks up the ball because he's a penalty taken. Hazard probably only has to say two words to him. And, you know, Jorginho puts his hand on his head, gives him the ball. He probably, Hazard, he could have just been like, give me the ball, I'm taking it. You know, I'm a hat trick. But he could he could also just be like, look, man, I've been here for six, seven years. I've only scored one hat trick. This, you know, he would, and you've been here for five minutes. Either way, it, w- it wouldn't have been a hard conversation between the two. Uh, for Hazard to get that ball to take the penalty, and he um, dispatches it, as you'd expect Eden Hazard to dispatch a penalty against Cardiff. Actually, that the um, the keeper's actually very very good. I think he's an ex Chelsea lad. Um, but yeah, ice cold, puts it in. He's loving it. He looks so happy. I think he even gives it, <laughs> he gives it some to the uh, Cardiff away fans. I think they're throwing little bits of sh- whatever thing stuff at him. That's what I love. Even he acts so like happy and you know, upbeat and chill, but he does love giving it to the opponent, opposition fans, which is proper chills. Um Yeah, it's a great, you know, say he looks happy as Larry, gets his match ball signed. Just, I don't want to talk about him for too much because he was just excellent. Hopefully, he's top he's top, uh, top scorer in the league, five goals in five games, in like two or three starts. His goals to minutes at the moment is 60 minutes, which is immaculate. And he's got two, two assists to go with that. I think the the three players underneath him with um, four goals. I don't think any of them have got any assists. So he is the player in the Premier League in the opening phase. I don't see any reason why he can't carry on like this. And, you know, the bookies would probably put him odds on to break his scoring record in the Premier League. So, you know, 
all's good with Ed Nazar, it looks wicked and long may it continue, but be prepared if it doesn't, that's all I'm saying. Anyway, great. William just decides to put the cherry on the cake and score an absolute banger. <laughs> I think it was outside the box, 25 yards or something. Yeah, he just, or 30 yards, I don't know, it was, it, was a, it was quite long range, just hits it really sweetly, puts it top right. Just shows Chelsea fans, yeah, I'm still here. Can got this in my locker, and I think the more of how good the feeling is around the camp, um, the more of the ball we see, we'll see players more calm, and when they're more calm, to dispatch these sort of shots, and then we'll just see some excellent, beautiful, and wonderful football from Chelsea Football Club, and that would conclude a 4-1 win. Smiles everywhere, except on Neil Warnock's face, <laughs> and yeah, it looks really good. Everyone's really happy. Um, our boy Ampadu's turned 18. He, was he on the bench or not? I didn't. I, I've, I was chatting to people about this on social media. Because he would just turned 18. I think uh, Sari probably went to him, you know, go and have a few beers, mate. It's your 18th birthday. You're not that. I mean, obviously, you're hugely important to the club, but you're not that important for this game. And I reckon you just let him get on it. And why not? Kid turned 18. And he's probably going to play on Thursday anyway. Let's have a little think. I think I've pretty much wrapped up that game. I'm sure you guys would hit me up on Twitter and if I haven't discussed something that you wanted me to, then I'm sure you let me know. So, fuck it, let's move on. Okay, before the next pod, we are going to be playing two football matches, I think. Yes, we are. We're back in the ropey league. Uh, Powell versus Chelsea uh, away, I believe. Is that Greece? Oh, God, don't help me to that. Um... I'm going to the first uh, home game in the Europa League, Vidi or Videoton or whatever the hell they're called. I'm looking forward to that and seeing it at the youth. Um, I don't really want to preview this much. I will talk about it in the next podcast. But really, I don't know much about the opposition. It's certainly a lower level opposition. It's um, Apparently there's some uh, controversy in terms of could be dangerous out there with fans and ultras and the UEFA are maybe telling Chelsea fans to be careful or not go or shit I don't really want to get into this podcast isn't about the politics of Chelsea and football it's about the game and um, all I can say about that game is it's going to be like a sort of b-side hopefully see the kids run out let's just hope for Hudson Adore and Ampadu to sort of show what they can do and enjoy the game so let's keep it Premier League we are going to play West Ham away in the London Stadium which is a soulless bucket <laughs> unfortunately it's more of like a neutral ground I don't want to get too cocky here because West Ham seem to do this play crap for ages and then do a sort of ceremonial style their cer- ceremonial beating of Chelsea against the odds um, hopefully that doesn't happen and they did beat Everton 3-1 in their own yard yesterday so maybe that means the, the normal uh, routine of them being crap than being Chelsea isn't going to come to fruition they're a threat. They've got good um, players going forward. They're, in, they're an interesting team, West Ham, because they're like, even with the, ma- uh, the manager, Pellegrini, excuse me, it's a little bit like they've bought like, okay, so it's almost like they've bought really nice brand products that are just old or like two seasons ago. I know I've got a lot of listeners from like America and other places in the world. But we've got a uh, store in the UK called TK Maxx. <laughs> I think this is a brilliant analogy because... It has like super discounted, old, exp- expensive, successful, really nice brands. Um, 
I say successful to try and make the analogy sound better. I hope this is working. Anyway, you can go there and get like stuff from a couple of years ago of like expensive brands. It's almost like that's what they've done. They've sort of spent X amount of money, quite a lot, on what, you know, on first glance, you're like, oh, that's a good signing. And they, yeah, I suppose. But then when you really think about it, you're like, how is this all going to work? And are they still good? And are they just going for the paycheck? And what the hell's going on? And that goes for the manager as well. It's all become a very West Ham theme style. So chemistry is a problem for them. But saying that, Alnautovic has been a revelation the last two seasons. You know, he's a winger and now turned into a striker. And he's very deadly. He's become talismanic for them. Um, and he'll, he'll love scoring against Chelsea. And they've got a lot of pace. Um, not in the fullback position. Their back line is, is pretty shabby. But they've got a good keeper now. I think they've got Fabianski. He's decent. Um, you know, it's the, the fullbacks are quite slow. Um, so... You could try and roast Zabaleta. The midfield's pretty soft. Wilshire didn't even play in their like successful midfield three. They brought Noble back in. I think we could pass around their midfield and take advantage of their fullbacks. We just need to be wary of like set pieces and pace from breaking when um Yarmolenko and Arnautovic are running together. Does look um does look a threat, and they've got that Felipe Anderson now. Is that Felipe Anderson? Anderson. He's a player. He can looks like he can dictate play. Very good on the ball, and if he can like play in people like Arnautovic, then it could be da- dangerous. Could be deadly. But like I said, it's not an intimidating ground, London Stadium. It's it's um, it should be a place where we can go and play our football. And I do expect to win there, even if they slaps Everton three-one at Goodison Park, because. I just see that. I know Everton are a good side and they're a new side and they're silver, but if we can just keep the ball from them and frustrate them, then we can win. Should be three points. They could definitely score. I mean, if we drew against West Ham away, it would be a bit of a reality check, or even lost, but let's just, you know, see what the the bookies would probably make that highly, highly unlikely. But just say we drew, like, 2-2, it would actually be all right. You know, still, still trying to sort out all the um, different factors of how we're playing and it's an away game and it's a London derby. I just, I don't know. I, we, we can definitely win and we could probably win by a high scoreline, but it's just such like a... With Chelsea at the moment, it, again, I, I said at the, be- at the beginning of this pod story, at the beginning of the series of this podcast, that about us being an unknown quantity, and I still think that's true to an extent. We've seen capability and capacity, and we've seen desire and intent, but in terms of um, different tests, it's still in its infancy, and, you know, like I said, they could put long balls over to Arnautovic, score a couple of goals, we could get rattled, and maybe the London Stadium would come alive, chance would be a fine thing, and, you know, and we don't know what's going to happen. I'll Obviously, they had less points than Cardiff before this game week. I'd be way, I'm still way more confident of being Cardiff than West Ham because if those players from West Ham, lots of experience there, Javier Hernandez, Chicharito, his record against Chelsea is like ridiculous. His scoring record. So he'll probably, you know, he'll, again, I know I don't want to be like superstitious, but it's happened last season. He just always scores against Chelsea and they've got other good forwards. So anything can happen. It just seems more that if we the Liverpool game coming up, you'd be like, oh, whatever happens, happens. Klopp's been there for five years. 
if we get slapped, it's fine, it's humbling, it's a lesson. We're on a very good track here, we're on a very good trajectory. It's almost like a free hit, even a, a club of Chelsea's size and our position, still almost a free hit. West Ham isn't a free hit, it's like, but people need to understand that it is early doors and not lose their shit if we don't, you know, beat them comprehensively or even win. I think Sarri's almost waiting for this first trip up to happen so he can analyse it and see where we went wrong. And that not that isn't necessarily going to be like a Man City or a Liverpool, you know? It could be a, or a United or Spurs or whatever or whatever. It could be a West Ham away, especially after they've just had a 3-1 win. So yeah, see what happens with those guys. Like most of my uh, preview sections, it's very short because I just want to, you know, highlight a few factors. What the opposition team are doing, what it's like and what can happen. Um, yeah, oh, balls over the top or pacey counter-attacks for the way they do us. I'm not sure. I mean, we, we can concede from set pieces. I don't know if that's going to be their particular strength. But yeah, we could take advantage of passing through their midfield in possession and um, maybe exposing the fullbacks. So that's my preview, and let's get into the final social media questions section. Alright, so as I said before, I'm going to talk about David Luiz and Olivier Giroud, the centre-back and striker debate. I've got so many questions, thank you guys for sending in the questions. Um, <laughs> I did a little video post-match talking about how it was, how amped I was after the football match, hoping people would pin questions there. No one did. And I just wrote a little text uh, tweet saying, can you give me some questions? And I got like 30 responses. So well done on that, guys. Thank you. But a lot were about David Louise and Olivier Giroud. Um, I'm going to pick out a few questions after this uh, talking point um, and read them out and answer them. But in the meantime, I want to consolidate your sort of queries about Giroud and, um, and David Louise. And let's start with David Luiz, shall we? Um, everyone's concerned about him defensively, um, making, you know, brain fart errors, maybe running out. Let's not let's not say, oh, we've got... I'm not going to address this with from the point of, oh, we've got Christensen waiting in the wings and all this stuff, because he's, he's practised, he's trained Luiz. Christensen's probably watching, he's learning and training, and he'll probably get his chance to start trying Sari ball out in the other competitions, and then he could try and stake his claim. But let's talk about why Sari persists with Louise. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. Defensively, Sari wants to defend as a unit. It's a style. Um, it's not an old-school Premier League throwback thing where centre-backs are canny, they're good at, you know certain things and marking really well he wants it to be it's all it's an entity the way he plays um that said there's going to be that doesn't excuse individual mistakes from David Luiz but you can see why he wants David Luiz okay throughout every single game he's demonstrated good long passing ability and he if you look at it on paper he's a Brazilian very technical ball player who's had incredible success in this centre back position. Italians like older centre backs, so he's probably prime age for a centre back. It's you know, and what he, what he means to the club as well. So the club have obviously sat him down and been like, this guy, you know, he's he means a lot to the club. Conte shut him out, see what you can do with him. And he probably said, yes, thank you very much. He looks perfect. I think everyone needs to calm down. I mean. I wouldn't be pissed off if Christensen came in immediately and replaced him because if you know, trust the gaffer, trust Uncle Sari, right? And trust him about this. Um, Louise has got so many 
uh, technical. He's got such a big technical repertoire when it comes to ball playing. I think he just sees more value in that and what he could do with them. Doesn't matter that he's 30, 31. Like I said, he probably thinks that's his prime. He thinks he can coach him. Remember what he did. I said this before as well, and I'm going to say it again. Remember what he did to Kula Bali. Kula Bali, they were, they were going to sell him. They thought they couldn't do anything with him. And he became amazing. An amazing defender, uh, defender, excuse me, as well as ball player. So what, you know, he's been been with Chelsea a few weeks, sorry. Why can't we just say, yeah, he sees what he likes, what he sees in training. He sees, he sees absolute mega ability. And he's like, I don't want to... I don't want to lose that in my team, you know, I don't want to sacrifice that, and I'll just coach him to defend how I want him to defend, you know? We're not losing, uh, we're seeing little mistakes, and I think that frustrates people because it is a guy of his age. You know, you, with it, if it was a Christensen, maybe he'd be like, oh, he's young, and da 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 But maybe Sarri just is like, yeah, we can coach that out of him. He he's wants to get his head down, he wants us to win. If I tell him to do something, he'll do it, you know? And um, I think we need to trust the gaffer in that sense. Everyone needs to chill out with Louise. He's obviously, um, uh, he obviously knows the system well. I think he has got a good partnership with um, Rudy in terms of their movement and how they play. It's just like the odd brain fart. And it's, 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 I know it plays into the narrative of David Louise. He's always got this in him. He's gallivants upfield. But it's almost like a bit of media conditioning to a sense as well. It's like a sort of knee-jerk reaction. Now, he might keep doing this and he might lose us games. If he, like, obviously costs us three points, then it's a different story. But has he done that? No. We've won five out of five, and we're stringing together, like, shit tons of passes that a lot go through him as well. So let's just chill. We have got a very good defender in Christensen that's probably next in line. And, um, just trust Uncle Sari, yo. Like, let's, we know, I love David Luiz. He's so important to the club. He's so technically gifted. He's got long passes in him. If Sari thinks he can make him the man, then we got to trust the big man. So just reflect on that a little bit, Chelsea fans. <laughs> I did. You know, I, I, I certainly see a mistake in him and I, I react the same. But I've just sat there pensively and reflected on it. And, you know, I urge you all to do the same. You know, if he's fucking shit next next week and like scores an own goal against West Ham and then gets sent off, then let's address it again. But for the moment, let's let's just chill. Let's go with it. And like I said, I want to echo the sentiment that if Christensen came in next week, I'd have absolutely no problem with that. But I've got no problem with Louise staying also in the lineup. All right, so let's talk about Oli G. Oh, he's, he's such a, like an immediate cult hero to Chelsea fans, isn't he? He gets stuck in. He's so happy. He wants to be there. He's um he's so experienced in the Premier League and on the world. He's a World Cup winner, you know. He's um it's almost like he obviously is getting on a bit now, and I know he hasn't got any pace to lose, but he's almost like you want to get all of this. What he's offering now, you want to get like the last eighteen months out of him, or however long he can do it, you know. So I <laughs> kind of want him to keep starting. I think most after that performance, most Chelsea fans would would want the same. This was a huge talking point in social media. People um, adding me and you know asking the question about what should we do about a striker? Are we fu- are we fucked for strikers or do we like get Giroud in or what's the situation? Um, so let's look at the tangibles of the situation, right? Morata is a very talented footballer. He can score some great goals. He's an excellent header of the ball. Now let's go a little bit more into how the club view it. He's young. He's early mid-twenties, mid-twenties, like 25 or something. 
he's the club record signing for an outfield player. You know, if we just put Kepa for a side for the minute. And he's, you know, and the club want to protect that investment. You know, 57 million. So he's, whatever, he costs 10 million less than Kepa Rizabalaga. And there's talk that Morata's feeking up to 75 million or something. That's a shitload of money. Chelsea don't like spending a lot of money these days unless it's a really solid investment. If we just bench him now for Olivier Giroud, a 32-year-old, £18 million player from Arsenal who wasn't getting in the Arsenal team, it doesn't matter that he's doing the job better. It just looks really bad for an investment. And then the value drops to nothing for Morata. And it's an it's a financial thing. It's an image thing. And it's a player thing as well. He is a good player and you don't want to break that young man. And it's such a difficult one for all that. Because remember when he... Remember that first game when we saw him on the pitch when we were getting slapped about by Burnley? <laughs> oh, God, it hurts to think about it. And we were like 3-0 down the first half and he just came on and scored. I picked up the ball and was like, let's go. He did his little A celebration for, um, I think, Alice's wife. And, like, you know, we'd all been watching him on YouTube from Real Madrid scoring goals and doing that celebration. And he just came on and was like, no, fuck this. <laughs> I'm going to score. And, was, you know, everyone got out of their seats and he started so well. And he was like, you know, Lukaku went to United. He still had the fucking touch of a donkey. And suddenly we were like, well, maybe we've got this really cool, like, wicked Spanish technical guy. And we got the better deal. And look, he looks awesome. And then he, then he scored that hat trick at Stoke. Um, you know, he scored loads of wicked headers. He scored that lovely, powerful looping header against United to win 1-0. I remember all that. And I was thinking, holy shit, yes, we did the right one, we got the right one. <laughs> we got him. You know, he, he dropped off, he had a bad back, sadly he lost his, um, his friend in an accident, and he had two kids, and it, whatever, you can give him as many excuses, and then he's a, you know, and he's a confidence player, and confidence players aren't good for big teams because they're too risky, and now we've got a new style and it's supposed to suit him more but does it suit him more and is he getting his head into it and it's just a, it's so difficult it's not as easy as oh drop Morata get rid of him he's not good enough because he's a player you know and we've again you know just like Sari coached Koulibaly Sari coached uh, Higuain to break the record in Syria and make Dries Mertens into an amazing forward for the moment the easier and more effective option would be to play Giroud there or even maybe Hazard as the Dries Mertens, Force 9, or whatever, but Giroud's probably the the um the most effective in the immediate sense. But I think like look at it from the club's perspective, you can't just drop Morat and we can't flog him now and you know and what if he is could be that great and if he, he's a perfect age cultured striker that Sari would have seen play in Italy when he um was playing for Juventus and Sari was coaching Napoli. He would have seen this quality and if you could be like, yeah, in a couple more years, you would have scored a few goals in the Premier League. Then you come to Chelsea. Excellent training facilities. You can coach him. He would have been rubbing his hands together going, yep, that could work for me. So I don't really know what to say, guys, about Morata. I just want you to think about it more as well. Much like David Luiz. He's, um, he's a very talented player. But if he can get out of his own head, then, you know, I think I've cited before that story when Buffon had to sit him down and slap him about a bit and, you know, and sort of say, sort your shit out, lad. So it's difficult. Maybe he'll score a few goals and go on a run again. And if he goes in the barren spell, we'll just drop Juru back in. But, you know, let's not all, let's not all uh, cut our ties with Morata because let's see what he does, you know. Give him some chance to score some goals and 
I don't know, because I, again, it's like it's keeping Hazard happy with the link up. If he can get that sort of chemistry with the other, with the front wide forwards, then we'll have to see. But you know, I'm happy with both of them for the moment. I would have liked Michy Batshuayi to be the number one. Actually, I said that before. But um, he's quite happy to play for Valencia, and I think it's a very interesting project with Michy's loan spells. I don't know if it's the club absolutely bidding him off and just letting everyone else pay his wages. But no, because we could have sold him. His goal returns immaculate, and he's for Dortmund, Chelsea, and it was really good for in France as well. So it's interesting. I'm quite int- intrigued to see is he going to come back this really like, educated, cultured striker, and then we just use him because he's a year or two younger than Morata. Anyway, a poacher like him, I would have just loved to be like putting away loads of chances in sorry ball. We'll have to see what happens. Certainly very intriguing, the Michy Batshuayi situation slash Tammy Abraham situation. All right, so that's the two main talking points um, sort of gone through, and I'm going to pick out a few questions now. Okay, pod regular Ryan Watson, how you doing, man? You asked me about a thousand questions. I'm actually going to un- um, <laughs> answer a Chelsea-related one, funnily enough, mate. And it's a good one. Do you think John Terry returning to the club would provide the necessary leadership in the locker room that seems to be absent since he left the club? Well, does he have the same uh, pull as he did when he was suiting up? Uh, full kit wanker. Um, JT back at the club. Absolute legend. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, as a sort of uh, instantaneous knee-jerk reaction, you just want all the legends to come back. Yeah, like Zola, yes. Assistant coach, yes. Get, yeah, Balak in. Director of football. Absolutely wicked. JT. I mean, Zola as being an assistant coach is superb because it's good. He's not a big, strong character, but he's a really... He's, Chelsea legend, he's a really nice guy to get on with and he's very talented technically so he's good for the forwards JT and Balak um, more so JT is sort of like the old school proper Chelsea, never die kind of um, attitude it's just interesting because John Terry uh, I mean what would he do? Academy maybe, that would be nice I mean everyone looks up to him um, he brings that kind of like old school rawness back but what if it doesn't go well and you know he's a target JT for everyone else not that he gives a shit but I just don't know man <laughs> you know how is he gonna affect sorry well the people there still like him obviously the Hazard's got a lot of respect for him as does as P and Louise and everyone I mean it would be good to have him back I just don't know what he'd do I mean I quite like the idea of him becoming his own becoming a coach and I think he's learning Portuguese maybe going to a Portuguese club and doing something cool like that that would be wicked I'd, I'd obviously want to see him back at Chelsea I'm just not sure what, what would we just have him as a bloody dressing room mascot going oh boys you're losing go out there and bloody win <laughs> I just, I'm trying to be a realist you know I mean the romance to it is awesome JT captain leader legend captained us to well I say five Pretty much, yeah. Captain us to five Premier League titles. He's the sort of depiction of the new age Chelsea, the academy. So maybe even if he went and worked with the academy, he's like, look what I did. I'm like the top of the top. The best centre-back the, the English football's ever seen. I came from this academy. I came through. I've won all this. You could too. So yeah, I'd like to see him back. But um, it, it's just, I'm, maybe I'm being a cynic that I, um, I just don't know how um how he would affect the team all right let's see here um cyrus rogers what's going on dude uh he says it's a two-parter are we seeing the new identity of the team coming through and should fabregas come straight in to take the kovacic barkley role good question bro as yeah i mean the first part the identity i think is very evident i'd say yes we have even since pre-season um 
so I don't really have much more to say about that part, dude. Yeah, yes, it certainly is. It's a very different team. It's a possession-based team. It's a high press. It's a passing team. Um, and should Fabregas... Yeah, Fabregas. Yeah, let's talk about Fabregas. That's why I like this question. He is um, a very, very, very talented player that has faults. He gets caught in possession. He's slow. He's not physical. He can't tackle. <laughs> So, I thought there was going to be a couple that I talked about, but they they were just coming into my head as I was saying them. He just has an eye for a pass, and he can score, he can finish. Um, I don't know, I think this is another trust sorry one, if he puts him in for one reason or another, maybe. Um, you say, could he go straight in the Kovacic-Barkley role? Um, I think in a second, maybe he definitely could do that. He has played next to Jorginho um, in pre-season in that role, but I think also... He would um he could do the Jorginho role nowhere near as good. Um, Sorry, always waxes lyrical about how quickly um, Jorginho thinks. How he's just such he's in the mind, in the mind, mental, mental in the mind. He's so quick, he says. And I'm not sure Fabregas has that. Hence him getting caught in possession. Those two don't go together. But in certain games, he could play that role. You know, because he was the original pass master, Fabregas, and he can do long passes better than Jorginho can do long passes. Remember. What his his um his link up with Costa for those long passes, so you know that's one little thing he's got over Jorginho in that sense. So uh, he's such a, I'm, I'm I'm pleased he's staying at the club um because he'll when he does find an opposition and a side he can play in that will suit him he'll show immense quality and um I think that will probably be less in that sort of number eight but I can see why Sari will play him there because we've seen. Uh, Fabregas score goals in the box, you know, come on the end of things, so more so probably than maybe Barkley. Um, certainly Kovacic, actually, from Real Madrid, he didn't score any goals. So yeah, maybe it's more of a goal threat in the eight. Interesting. As I talk about it more out loud, I get new ideas. <laughs> it's a good question, Cyrus, man. Um, yeah, either that extra number eight role where Kovacic and Barkley play, or certain games even debut for um, the Jorginho uh, role. All right. Let's go through some more of these questions. Um, a lot more of questions about the centre-backs generally. Um, Yellow Reddy talks about them scoring goals, rushing the ball into uh, the penalty box. Um, he says, what should we do about it? I don't think it's a concern. I think much like Conte, but differently, Sarri wants all his players to be able to score, I think. Um, and if, if, it, if it opens up for um, Rudiger, David Luiz, we know, likes to morale forward. But Rudiger's like the fifth fastest player in the Premier League and he's a centre-back. So if it opens up for him, run with the ball. Someone will drop, tuck in and cover. No problem with that. Just optimising the play. Um, Chelsea Blue asks, would forgotten man Marco Van Hinkle get in the squad? If he was able to stay fit, uh, the lad had such technical ability and talent. The plus gets killed. Oh my God, dude, yeah. He was so good. He's got such ability, you're so right. In terms of, like, goals from the midfield, leadership abilities, and he's not old still, is he? He's quite young. Man, what a question that is. Yeah, I've, I'd love him in the squad, actually, as one of those eights. Um, even in the sort of, oh, it's so difficult fitting people in now. You know, God forbid I say in the Kante role, but that's, a, you know, imagine if he was on the Kante side. Actually, Kante, I'm going to stop myself. Kante, since I've talked about this the last couple of weeks, Kante is undroppable. I've seen him make too many interceptions high up the pitch to, to, to throw that away. Kovacic has shown so much quality in dribbling. If he finished, like, a, one of those two chances on the weekend, 
we'd be talking about his general play way more. But Van Hinkle, it's so frustrating. I mean, this is a proper, like, you know, um, embarrassment of riches problem. Nowhere near as maybe as City have got. But yes, Marco Van Hinkle was an excellent player. And what if he played in that Kovacic Barkley role? Scoring goals, um, you know, shouting at fellow players and very technical. Um, if he was able to stay fit, you said, um, there, dude. And if he was able to stay fit, I think we would have seen him sooner playing at Chelsea. Um, was certainly featuring more, but unfortunately, I know that has to be a theoretical because um he did have problems with that. I'm gonna say yes because he would have developed more of us, but um no because of the reality of the situation. Ibra saying, "What do you think would happen if Chelsea win the league? We'd all lose our shit, and um everyone would be like, what are you worried about? Chelsea win the league? They don't win the league. They win the league. They don't win the league." Um, hey Mario D, how you doing, man? Um. Again, you talk about uh, Fabregas actually in the Jorginho role that I've just spoken about. Um, yeah, uh, Europa League squad, yes. In the Europa League squad, I'd love to see him playing there. But then again, I'd also love to see Ampadu in that Jorginho role. Um, whether he could or not, we've seen him play longer passes and be a bit more of a pass master, the little lad. But him or Fabregas rotating, maybe both in the mid three, I'd love to see. Um, and if not, I'm totally cool with seeing Ampadu start as a centre-back yeah I'm, I'm sure he'll be fine of that too he's such a good defender so yeah play Ampadu with Christensen as the centre-backs in Europa League get Fabregas in the Jorginho role and then play Barkley and um, Ruben as the number eight boom done and you get Hudson Adoy yada 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 give Morata a run out in the nine spot maybe and Willian or Pedro or whatever and then Emerson and Zappa Costa. There you go. There's my Europa, my Europa League lineup. Um, yeah. Do you see most of the fringe players getting in the Europa League? And that's from Collins. Um, fringe players, but from being like Emerson and um, you know, pretty much that lineup that I've just listed, dude. We'll go with that. Um, hey, Mark. Is Hazard's uh, post-match comment regarding Giroud another nail in the coffin for Morata? It's certainly another nail, dude. I don't think. Um, like I said earlier in the pod. He did go back and try and speak of Morata's different qualities. But, yeah, it is a sort of uh, accidental nail, I think, to a degree. But then again, yeah, I'll just um, cite the sort of uh, talk I did just a few uh, minutes ago about the striker situation and how the club feel about Morata. Yeah, Stamford Lion asking me about strikers again. So I think I've pretty much gone through all of it. I did get so many questions, and I really do appreciate loads of questions from you guys. But there were some recurring themes, hence me rambling on for ages. And hopefully, through my rambling, I've answered your questions. And I'm going to wrap it up. A long one today, guys. Um, I really enjoyed recording this podcast today. And I really hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. It's going really well so far. I'm enjoying all the interaction with you guys that you were hit me up on Twitter. At Chelsea Yannick um, is the uh, Yannick on Chelsea Twitter. Yeah, I'm really loving it. What a season to start a podcast, eh? A new dawn for Chelsea, a new style, and a great start. Um, yeah, so I'm really pleased. Thank you for everyone for contributing. Um, I always want to say, if you want to help me out, then please um, hit up Apple uh, Apple Podcasts or iTunes and give this podcast a five-star review because it helps me um, get an outreach. And the bigger outreach I've got, the more I can develop the podcast and this, that and the other and hopefully making it a better listening experience for you guys. 
And why not write a nice little review, man? I do check out those reviews, so when people say nice things about the pod, you know, it's 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 cool. It really ma- means a lot, and it, it's kind of why I do it. So, um, yeah, tell your mates who listen to like Chelsea and listen to podcasts. Let's try and spread the word of the Yannick on Chelsea podcast, guys. And with that said, let's uh, let's wrap this up. Thanks for listening, everyone. You know, up the Chelsea, keep the blue flag flying high carefree wherever you may be and i'll see you later